0: It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Looking for the latest on the A's minor leagues? One of the latest additions to A's cast is The Farm, a look around the minor leagues with interviews,
1: updates, and profiles on the future A's tearing up the minors.
0: Well, hello and welcome to our A's Farm podcast. I'm your host, AthleticsFarm.com Editor-in-Chief Bill Moriarty. And today, we're going to be talking with A's special assistant, Grady Fuson. He's the A's former scouting director, and he's also known as one of the top talent evaluators in the game. And now that we're nearing the end of the minor league season, we wanted to check in with Grady and get his take on the development of some of the A's top prospects. Hey, thanks for joining me today, Grady. Good to hear from you, Billy. So, uh, we talked to you early in the season, and now that we're uh, a little less than a month from the end of the minor league season, we wanted to check back in and, uh, you know, just kind of monitor the progress of some of these, you know, most interesting prospects in the organizi- uh, organization, and I wanted to start at the, the top of the system with particularly a couple guys who've recently joined the big club, starting out with catcher Shea Langoliers. You know, he came over from Atlanta in the offseason, the Matt Olson deal. Had a great season at Las Vegas, uh, just hit great, played well behind the plate. Now he's up in Oakland, seems to have gotten off to a good start there at the plate. Looks like the kind of guy who could be, you know, the A's catcher of the future here that we're looking at. But can you tell me what what you've seen out of him during the season that he has
1: been in the A's system? Well, he came as advertised. This kid does it all. This kid's uh, a gamer. He's got big tools with power and arm strength. Uh, he's a tremendous athlete for a catcher. He's probably one of the better runners, you know, in A next to Pache or something like that. This kid could really run. Uh, but he's got a great approach. He's put good swings. Uh, he's got an idea of the strike zone. And uh, he, he's, he's, he's just played super.
0: You know, it's funny. I, I, you mentioned his running. I just saw some statistic uh, recently about him actually, statistically, being one of the the best base runners on the current A's team. You know, and that's not something you expect to see from a catcher.
1: <laughs> no, usually it doesn't come with that with, with that position. But this this kid's special. He's got a chance to be, I think, a star in our game.
0: Definitely. Let's hope so. Now, another guy who just joined or rejoined the big club is uh, center fielder Christian Pache. You know, he got off to a really rough start at the plate, went down to Vegas, kind of got off to a good start there, then cooled down a little bit there, too. But now he's back up at the big club. Where do you think he's at, and what do you think needs to happen with him to to become the, the, uh, the center fielder that the A's really, you know, hoped he would be when they acquired him?
1: Well, I mean, he's still fairly young, and he's got all the speed and defensive tools to be, you know, a star defender. It's about getting things cleaned up, you know, at the plate. He's, he's got strength. He's got a good swing when he's, when he's on time, but I see a lot of timing issues there where, you know, he gets his foot down too late. He wants to swing when he strides and it just, it just disrupts a lot of timing in his approach. So, you know that's got to be cleaned up. He's got to learn how to control the strike zone a little bit better. But there's definitely upside there. Uh, we just got to get to a point where we can get it to click.
0: Yeah, I mean, if he could just uh, get things uh, get things clicking with the bat, he's, he certainly has everything else it takes. You know, yeah. uh, an interesting guy who recently came up to uh, Las Vegas. Mm-hmm is uh, jordan diaz um you know we've talked about him before i think he reminds everyone a little bit of uh, Ronaldo nunez uh, <laughs> in the sense that you know he can hit he can make a lot of really loud contact no one's quite sure where he might end up position wise but man he's had a great season at the plate he's still very young and um you know there's still a question about where he's going to end up position wise but what have you seen out of jordan diaz uh, this year
1: well, Jordan's always caught your eye as, as being hitterish, even as a young kid. I mean, he had hand speed, he had strength, but he just never controlled the strike zone. This is the year that he's made the best strides as far as, you know, swinging at good pitches and laying out some some tough breakers. Um, and you've seen the byproduct of it, you know. I mean, he he hit well in double-A, he hit Elmers. He's, you know... This defensive thing is gonna be a work in progress. Um you know, just everything's a little rough for him and and we don't know where it's gonna end up, but you know, Renato Nunez is not
0: a bad call
1: as far as a comp.
0: Yeah, you know, uh, he started out like Renato as a third baseman. He spent most of this year playing first base. It's been interesting to see the last uh, week or so. They, they've they actually had him playing at second base in Vegas, which is kind of surprising. I, I, I don't know your feelings about that.
1: Well, that's just because of the, the clientele that's currently on the team. And last night he played third and, you know, threw two balls away over there. So, yeah. Um, you know, it, it held up better at first base and double-A. Um, obviously, we have other options in first base in triple-A currently with with some other guys. But, you know, I think first base, we've, we've even shoved him into left field a little bit to see how that's going to play. I think he might do some of that in winter ball down in Columbia. So we'll see. But th- that's definitely going to hold him back as far as, you know, just – gaining uh, momentum to be forced on that big league club.
0: Yeah. Well, like, uh, like I said, fortunately he is still young. So there, uh, there is some time uh, here and uh, I guess it's a good thing there. There is always the designated hitter spot too. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, Now a pitcher at Vegas uh, of interest to me is Hogan Harris. You know uh, you guys drafted him a few years ago, I think in the third round. And most of his time in the system, honestly, he's been injured. You know, he's been sidelined due to injuries. And uh, this year he's been healthy. Uh, he's been going out limited stints, maybe four innings at a time. But uh, he started out in Midland, pitched really well there. Now he's up in Vegas uh, getting a shot at AAA. But how do you feel about where Hogan Harris is at now that he's finally been healthy this season and back on the bump?
1: Well, it's been a long road back for him. And, you know, he finally got healthy. We had him in the fall league last year. And if he would have thrown the baseball over the plate in the fall league, we would have probably put him on the 40 man roster. He's got very good stuff. Um, He touches 96s. Uh, He's got a great curveball, a good change up. Uh, But to me, he overthrows way too much. He should be a guy that's pitching an 92, 93, staying online, keeping his direction, commanding the baseball. And once he does that, he's a big leaguer. We tinkered with this in in spring training this year. I asked him just to go out there and throw 90 miles an hour and stay online. And it was a beautiful thing to see. He just carved him up. But as a lot of young pitchers, you know, they want that velo and they start. Raring back, trying to get a little bit more, and their delivery gets offline, and things get erratic, and that's the only thing he's got left to kind of clean up before I think he gets his shot.
0: Yeah, well, I, I think even with Sandy Koufax, he didn't—he didn't, he didn't uh, become as successful as he could be until he actually stopped throwing as hard as he possibly could. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, a lot of guys, At
1: Maddox, you know, there's <laughs> right a lot of them people. People forget how good,
0: how hard Maddox threw when he was young, you know? Uh, yeah, that's, I mean, it's, you know, you're, you're right. I mean, it's easy to get obsessed with velo, but, you know, throwing as hard as you possibly can is not always the route to success.
1: <laughs> no, not at all.
0: <laughs> so uh, now I, I would have dropped down to double A because, you know, it seems like there's a lot of really intriguing prospects at Midland this year. Guys who could, you know, potentially form the core of an A's team in in, in a couple years. And uh, of the guys there, I wanted to start out by talking about your former first-round pick, uh, Tyler Soderstrom, you know, he got off to a bit of a rough start at Lansing. Then he kind of got it into gear. He's certainly been hitting with power all, all year. He's shown that that natural power that he's got. Um, and he's been splitting time between catcher and first base this year, which is interesting as well. But can you talk a little bit about where you feel Tyler Soderstrom's development mm. is at this point at this point, and and where you feel he's at defensively and, and position-wise going forward as well?
1: Well, first of all, your initial comment about that team to me that's that's kind of the best team if you want to go down and take a look at uh, a bunch of our top-level prospects, Mm -hmm. especially now that we have those pitchers back that were involved in those trades that that are now you know healthy or getting healthy. But as far as Tyler, things were still kind of hit and miss the first half of the year with his with his attitude a little bit and his frustration when he didn't hit and how he took it behind the how he took it behind the plate. Uh, and I think Phil Pohl uh, really did a good job with him as far as how to handle that, how to get some maturity going out of him, and things have really taken off. And now with Bobby, uh, uh, Bobby Crosby, our manager in Double-A, Bobby's saying nothing but great things about every night, his attitude, the way he's handling pitchers. Uh, We all have seen this kid receive and catch and throw very well at times when he's really focused. And currently he's on a nice, I would say a two month run of really getting serious about catching and working with pitchers, understanding a game plan and not letting his, his offense uh, disrupt him and take it behind the plate. So if that continues, uh, you know, the sky's the limit with Tyler. He's a hitter got power, he plays the game aggressively. Um and if he stays behind the plate, that's that's an added plus, but he's athletic enough to go to first. He's athletic enough to go to third. So, you know, Tyler Tyler gives you a lot of options down the road.
0: Yeah, do you think going forward you're gonna to continue to, to to play him maybe halftime at catcher and and halftime at first or somewhere else in the field, just to keep those options open?
1: Well, you got McCann there too, so they're splitting time. And McCann has has made some good strides this year as well. So you got to keep them both playing. And who knows? By the time they get to the big leagues, where we're at, if we got Langoliers and Tyler Soderstrom playing at the same time, then you know Tyler maybe plays somewhere else. So you know that'll be that'll be just the, the the good thing about both those kids is the athleticism that they bring. I mean, I've even mentioned, you know, uh, when Langoliers comes up, if he's not going to catch to the Murphy, I mean, stick him in left field. Let him get some at-bats playing out there. I know he can run and he can really throw. Right? Uh, Can he see a fly ball? That
0: I don't know. I've never hit him one, but
1: (laughs) my gut tells me yes.
0: Yeah, no, I'm, it's a, it's uh, having too many guys who can catch is is a good problem to have, I guess. Um, yeah, so, <laughs> sure. Yeah, but you you brought up the next guy I wanted to ask you about actually, because you got another I- intriguing catcher there at Midland this year, and that's Kyle McCann. You know, last year he really struggled at Midland. This year, he's he's really just it turned it around in an incredible way. He's been one of the, the best hitters there in Midland. Uh, he's, he, again, has been splitting time between catcher and first base, but he's shown a tremendous amount of power this year. He's been taking walks and getting on base, but he, he seems like he's really put himself on the map this season. But tell me what, what you've seen out of Kyle McCann and the, the progress he's made this year.
1: Yeah, I think most of us knew last year, you know, sending him to double-A was a big problem. Right. a big push and a big ask. And he handled it as good as somebody getting his brains beat out every night could have. <laughs> uh, he's a tremendous teammate. He's a leader of that squad down there. He comes to play every night. He's made very good strides uh, with his receiving ability. His arm's a little light and it's a little non-accurate at times, uh, but he's doing a much better job at the plate. He's competing is that bats are competitive. We all know the reason we drafted him was because of the monster power. And uh, he's just got to get a little bit more on time, recognize recognize breaking balls a little better. Uh, you know, he has trouble hitting spin, you know, when he kind of off-speed breaking ball type stuff. And, you know, hopefully, you know, he's we tried to get him to just jump on fastballs, get those fastballs and hit them, and he's done a very good job.
0: Well, uh, you know, another guy there at Midland who who's had a really nice season is uh, your second round draft pick last year, and that's Zach Geloff. Um, he originally was drafted as a third baseman. He's been playing a lot of second base, but he looks like one of those guys who maybe could be the cornerstone of a of a future A's uh, uh, lineup based on just what he's done in his first full season in pro mm-hmm. ball here. But what have your impressions been of Zach Geloff at Midland?
1: Well, uh, similar to everything you. Just said this kid's an athlete. Uh, he's got a body. He's built. He's strong. Um, he's a runner. Uh, he's got power. He uses the whole field. We're pretty convinced that second base is the spot we want to grow him. You know, for you know, at this time, the third base thing. He's not a bad defender with a glove, but he's got a little bit of a lower arm slot that that gets caught up if he has to go to his backhand and get on top of a ball. But his arm slot's perfect for second base with, with pivots and low three quarter arm action throws. Uh, it, it's even been talked about possible center fielder. This guy can get after a baseball, but this is another kid that if you were to, uh, put definite upside and coming quick, uh, label on him, he's, he's it.
0: Yeah, no, it seems like it hasn't taken him much time to adjust to the pro game so far. Um, another guy there at Midland who's who's kind of seems to be in the Zach Geloff mold as well is another guy um, – uh, who you drafted last year? I think he was your seventh-round pick, if I'm correct, and that's Brett Harris. He's been started out at Lansing, playing third there, and got off to a tremendous start. Moved up to Midland, and really didn't miss much of a beat at Midland. Has been playing third base there. It seems like he's very much in a similar mold to Geloff, uh, and a guy who uh, hasn't taken much time to adapt to the pro game at all.
1: Yeah, a little bit different to Geloff. He's not quite the athlete uh that that is but he's a very good player uh he's a steal as a seventh round pick in our business Mm -hmm. he's got strength he's got a good approach i remember last year in minicamp when we brought all those guys in to arizona just sitting there with them for a week week and a half i thought harris had the best approach of all of them at the time Mm -hmm. but another very good pickup a good defender accurate arm got knowledge and feel and instinct for the game and and very hitterish
0: yeah i mean he just he just seems to have hit uh, whatever level he's been at all, all year long so far uh another guy at midland there is your former first round pick logan davidson the shortstop and uh, you know this is his second season at midland he got off to a good start it looked like he made some really good improvements and he, i think he had a bit of an injury and he's cooled off a bit uh, later in the season here um, I think maybe he's hitting around 240-ish now. But where do we feel Logan Davidson's at at this stage of the game?
1: Uh, he's, he's not in a bad spot. I mean, he's not killing it. I mean, he's quietly hit, you know, home runs, and he's played a very good defense. Everybody knows he's a very solid defender with a very, very accurate arm. Uh, does he stay it short with what we've got coming up? Uh, does he move over to third who knows where this goes but you know Logan's Logan's just got to watch out for the strikeout rate it's just this is the second third year in a row now where it's been high and you know those things don't change often when they get to the big leagues these strikeout rates so it's time for him to take that next step next year is going to be a big big year for him whether you know, he moves up to triple A or whether he has to repeat, but I think he's earned the right at some point to uh to get to triple A and, and we're gonna figure it all out from there.
0: Yeah, I guess sometimes you just have to challenge them and see how they respond, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, another very interesting guy at Midland uh, this year is Max Schumann. You know, he, he was probably one of the best hitters in the system in the first half, and uh, he played all over the field, second base, shortstop, center field, all over the outfield. He got a brief look at Vegas, struggled in in a very brief time there, uh, was sent back down to Midland. Now he's uh, on the injured list. Um but can you, can you tell me what you've seen out of Max Schumann and and if you foresee him as the kind of guy who could maybe be a sort of useful utility player playing all over the field in the, in the major leagues at some point, if he's got what it takes to do that?
1: Yeah, very much so. He's, he's kind of a, a Jonah bride, uh, very versatile, uh, can play a lot of positions. Um, you know, his approach the last two years is, Completely changed. You know, he was one of our SEAL Team 6 uh, makeover guys in instruction league a few years back, and he's taken off from there. You know, it's, it's not big power, uh, but he's hitterish. He uses the whole field. He he usually controls the strike zone very good, gets his walks. gets on base, kind of a run-scoring guy. But, yeah, he's, he's got an opportunity in the right situations. It's certainly... Uh, be a versatile utility right-handed bat
0: off the bench
1: type guy in the big leagues
0: Uh, it would be good to see i mean he's a fun player he's also got a lot of speed uh, as a frequently leading the uh the system in stolen bases as well
1: Um, well it's more instinct over speed he's he he can run but he's not a flyer but he's just got tremendous instincts on the bases
0: right he picks up reads yeah yeah, I, I mean, that's. A, it seems like he's a very smart player all around, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. very much so. <laughs> um, One of the pitchers in your system who's probably made some of the biggest improvements this year, uh, I would say, is uh, Jeff Criswell. He was your second-round pick a couple years ago, and uh, he always had big stuff, but it was a matter of him just, you know, uh, harnessing it, and it seems like he's developed a little better command this year. He was successful at Lansing. Now he's been doing a good job at Midland, but uh, where do you feel that uh, Jeff Criswell's at in, uh, in, in his development at this stage of the season?
1: Well, to some degree, he's very similar to Hogan Harris, who we just talked about. You know, he's big, he's physical, he's got velocity, he's got a breakable, he's got a changeup, but he's another guy that just struggles with his delivery, his direction down the line, and, you know, the command is kind of hit and miss. And so, you know, that's that's basically all we work on with him is trying to get get him to stay online longer, finish down that hill so that you can have improved command. And once he gets to that point, Or if he does, uh, he's got a chance to be really good. If he doesn't, then there's going to be odds where, you know, you let him go and he's probably a quality bullpen piece for you.
0: Well, at least at least he's made some improvement this year. He's shown a little more consistency, so hopefully hopefully it continues and we we see even more out of him. Um,
1: well, that's certainly the path of development.
0: <laughs> what about those two guys you briefly uh, mentioned earlier? There, uh, J.T. Yin and, and Ryan Cusick. There was two guys you picked up in the off season, in, in the deals, and both you know high profile prospects. They both started out, struggled a little bit at Midland. Then they both had to deal with injuries. Now they're finally out there, back on the bump again. Um, where do you feel those guys are at, and what do you think we might be able to anticipate from them?
1: Well, healthy, they're both upside guys. They're both different. Uh, Kusek's a bigger man, uh, touches 100. Um, but all his secondary pitches need a lot of work. Uh, he really never used a change up until he – he came with us. Um, his sliders flashes some bite and some depth. Uh, but, you know, to turn him into a pitcher is going to be the process. Yin uh, really has a chance to have really good command. And he's got a, a nasty sinker, 93, 94, maybe 95 at times sinker. So, you know, sinker slider change for him. So uh, both these kids, uh, you know, they got good arms. Uh, they, the chance for good stuff there's there's upside to them both
0: well hopefully they can both stay healthy and we can really really see their potential <laughs> blossom yeah. a little more um, now i want to ask you about a couple guys that, that, that we've been talking about for many many years now at this point and uh, that's uh, austin beck and lazaro armentaris you know those are two guys very high profile prospects for a long time Neither of them has, has developed as, as people would hope. I think they're both 23 now. I think Beck will be turning 24 later this year. Um, they both showed some improvement this year. But, you know, where do we feel these guys are at? What's, you know, what is left for us to assess of, uh, of those two guys at this point?
1: Hmm? Well, you know, Austin Beck's been hurt on and off all year. So it's kind of a, a tough season to really judge him. Um, you know, but he, he defended well in Lansing. There were flashes. There were moments where we thought, you know, here, here he comes. He's going to make some strides. And then it just kind of reverts back. You know, both him and, and Laz, to me, I, I, they're just stuck. We're, we're waiting for him to make a move, to get better at, at, at swing and miss. Uh, you know, they both come with high levels of swing and miss. And, you know, generic walk rates. Uh, Laz's defense is still hitting this. He's been hurt on and off this year as well. Um, you know, he's got his fair amount of homers, but it's not overly impactful. You know, he's hitting 250, 260. But the strikeout rate is just, it's its really setting him back. And it's just, it's its, it's recognizing the breaking ball that is You know, 100 percent of the issue. Right. So uh, but other than that, um, you know, I don't know what to say. They've both been hurt so much this season that they've never really had the time to get out there and play every day, get rolling, get something going good. Um, So they're, you know, they're just kind of sitting there and kind of stuck, I think, a little bit.
0: Yeah, well, I'm sure uh, next season will be a, a, a key determining factor on uh, how things go for those two former high-profile prospects. Yeah,
1: they've, they've both been here for a while now, and it's, it's time to, you know, make your move or, <laughs> or you know, people pass you by.
0: Exactly. You can't stay stagnant in this game, that's for sure. On the opposite side of the coin, a guy who really has just seemed to, to make tremendous progress this year is your former fourth round pick from last year, who at this point looks like maybe he was a bit of a steal in the fourth round, and that's outfielder Denzel Clark. You know, he got off to a tremendous start in Stockton, moved up to Lansing. Uh, the guy has really incredible tools. He's got, shown a lot of speed, a lot of power. He's, you know, he's a pretty exciting player to watch on the field. But what have you seen out of uh, Denzel Clark uh, this season?
1: Well, you're right. He's an exciting kid to watch. Uh, when I left spring training and then I, I waited for about three weeks to go into Stockton, I was surprised how good he was competing, knowing that he had a lot of excess moves and odd moves in his approach to hitting, but he was handling breaking balls pretty good in Stockton and uh, hammering some fastballs, lighting up with some power numbers, stealing all the things we knew he could do steal bags, you know, play the heck out of center field. Um, he's just an awesome athlete. And then when I saw him in Lansing, I mean, he's, he's just kind of out of sorts for a while. When he first got there, he had his hand stuck way up in his air and he just, he didn't really know how to react. He really struggled, got down on himself a little bit. So he's recovered a little bit from there, but there's always going to be some odd moves to his hitting approach that it, that's going to need some maintenance. And uh, you know, that's kind of where we're at. It's his first full year. And <clears throat> we're actually going to bring it back to instructional again to see if we could minimize some of those moves and, you know, get get some upside going because he does have some big upside. This this kid could hit it
0: out, he could really defend,
1: you know, kind of a different cache tool set, if you might say
0: in the best of all possible worlds, I, he kind of reminds me as a sort of Andre Dawson type, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. A, a big guy who doesn't just have power but has speed, can play center field, can do a lot of things. You just don't... It seems like you don't really see a lot of players like that in the major leagues anymore, you know? That There's that guys that
1: up. listen to your podcast that are going to know who Andre
0: Dawson was. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure. <laughs> may, may, at least you do. I can count on that. So. <laughs> yeah. it,
1: it's like... It's like talking to our players. If you bring up uh, a swing of Barry Bonds, they go "Who?"
0: or you know, you, and, and he's
1: not that long ago.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say, forget like about Forget about mentioning Mickey Mantle. I guess. he you know like, oh, yeah. no chance. Uh. Yeah. Oh, I know. Whenever I talk to Eric Kubota and I ask him for comps, you know, he says, "I have to go back to my childhood in the '70s." I don't know if anybody's going to know these people, you know, but he said, don't yeah. worry, I do. Uh, but uh, okay, let's talk about another guy um, at uh, Lansing right now, and that's your first-round draft pick from last year, Max Muncy. Max Muncy 2.0, we like to call him. He was 19 for most of this season. I think he maybe just turned 20, got off to a great start at Stockton, has shown tremendous power, um, you know, is, is getting on base, playing pretty good shortstop. Uh, you know, as a very young kid, you got to be pleased with what you've seen out of your first round draft pick in his first uh, full season here uh, here this year.
1: Yeah, no doubt. His, his development is on time. I mean, if you just look at his overall numbers – with the exception of the homer numbers, they're not going to wow you. You know, he's got high strikeouts. He's hitting 220, 230, wherever he goes. He's he's just a young kid that wants to over-attack everything thrown at him. But when it's all said and done, he's going to be able to hit a lot of different pitches. Mm-hmm. But we're just trying to get him to slow down and eliminate some of the monster hacks. Um, you know, get his feet on the ground a little bit better at short. He can make the ESPN highlight play and then turn around like most young kids and cook and kick two routine ground balls in a row. But he, he's got a great attitude. He's a gamer. He comes to play every day. Um, you know, I his numbers aren't going to look overly impactful after, after his one year. But this kid's going to be a good player when it's all said and done.
0: Yeah, cer- certainly the power he's shown as a, as a young kid. You yeah. Know. Has shown a lot of promise. You know? So I imagine he's only going to get stronger. You know? <laughs> Another kind of interesting, a little more under-the-radar guy who's there at Lansing now is your, I think he was your ninth-round draft pick last year, catcher Shane McGuire. Uh, you know, he's just sh- showed tremendous ability to get on base at Stockton. He got moved up to, to Lansing. I think he's got one of the highest on-base percentages in the whole system this season. He's a left-handed hitting catcher. Can you talk a little bit about what you've seen out of Shane McGuire this year?
1: Yeah, uh, he's, without a doubt, he's the best player in our system as far as walk to strikeout rate. Um, you know, he's caught well, you know, he he was hurt for a while too. He lost mm-hmm. a month and a half, two months. Um, improving as a receiver, average arm, uh, has always been hitterish. That's kind of why we took him. But we're, we're just not getting any power out of him, which is okay right now. This is his first full year but uh we started a little bit last year and it didn't turn out too well but we're just trying to create a little bit more separation so that he could get to some more damage in his game but he's used the whole field uh, a lot of singles not a lot of damage uh but you know this kid doesn't strike out and he walks and gets on base
0: you know, that's certainly uh, certainly a good good place to start anyway. So, <laughs> um, there's a couple of pitchers at Lansing I wanted to ask you about real quick. Um, one is uh, Kyle Verbitsky. You know, he started out at Stockton. He was recently promoted to Lansing, and he's been leading the system in strikeouts for uh, for a while now. He wasn't a particularly high draft pick, but he's been having a good season. Can you t- just tell me what you've seen out of Kyle Verbitsky thus far? Yeah, he's
1: taken off with his punch outs. They were is he, if he is leading our organization, it's since beers went down, but mm-hmm. with strikeouts, but, you know, big physical kid, decent arm, 92s, 93s, uh, fair breaking ball, never really used his changeup. He's another guy that, you know, in stock and we, <laughs> you know, shoved that changeup down their throats to get him to <laughs> use it. And, you know, it, it's kind of hit and miss. And now he's starting to use it. I think the other night he threw it, you know, 10, 11 times and. He's really improved his command, and he's getting strikeouts on his breaker and his fastballs. So, you know, that whole little crew there that started out in Stockton, Beers, Verbitsky, Myers, Mm -hmm. um, even Zwang before he got hurt, very kind of a, you know, not high draft pick group of guys that, that all bring something to the party.
0: Some of those, some of those guys like Verbisky seem to really be putting themselves on the map this year. Another interesting kind of under the radar guy at Lansing is the left-hander Jack Owen. You know, I I know he was signed as an undrafted free agent a couple years ago, and I think he came recommended by Tim Hudson. And he he started out the year pitching really well out of the Stockton bullpen, and now he's been pitching really well out of the the Lansing rotation. He's another guy who's put up big strikeout numbers and, you know, just kind of an interesting guy who, who, again, was an undrafted uh, free agent.
1: Yeah, he's like Lee Allen in a way. He just doesn't throw very hard, but he's a – He's a strike thrower, Mm -hmm. and if you throw strikes in the bottom of the minor league system, you're going to win games. (laughs) And, you know, with him, he can land a breaking ball as well. So, you know, you don't put him in that stuff category. You put him in the pitcher category, and, you know, he's going to have to earn
0: every one of his
1: promotions. But (laughs) just like he did this year, who knows when the game's going to stop him.
0: Now, it's been great to see what he's been able to, to do this year again as a, a bit of an under-the-radar name. All right, let's wrap up with just uh, touching on a couple of guys who are uh, down at Stockton right now. And uh, one guy who seems to have been coming on a bit strong in the second half is Junior Perez very young outfielder. This is his second season in Stockton. You know, he had a a lot of, you know, his game was kind of raw. There were a lot of things to figure out, but it seems like he's made some strides in the second half. I was curious to get your take on where Junior Perez is at at this stage of the game.
1: He has made some strides. There's a different look in his eye. I think he's he's jumped a level up with his confidence. He's playing much more aggressively. He's really running the bases hard, stealing bags getting after balls he didn't get after a year ago in the outfield. He's always had a good arm. The raw power's always been there. Uh, And he's just kind of like what we talked about. The swing and miss is the biggest concern. He's a physical kid, but he's just got to learn how to recognize and either lay off or square up better, you know, off-speed pitches, breaking balls. That's his biggest issue. But he's a gamer. He plays hard. He's still young. So it's been good to see him at least make some strides this year and not get stuck.
0: Yeah, definitely. Now, the other, uh, you know, interesting name at Stockton at this point is your first round draft pick this year. Another catcher to add to the system, uh, Daniel Susak. Seemed like the A's were pretty happy to have him still available when they got to make their first round pick uh, this year. He's a big catcher. You know, he certainly seems like he could uh, develop into a, a really intriguing hitter. But what have you seen out of uh, first-round pick Daniel Susak thus far?
1: Well, he kind of comes with the Jonah Heim look. You know, a big six foot six foot four receiver. Uh, not the greatest athletic uh, skills, but the skills needed for that position he has. He's 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 only going to get better as a receiver. He's a very good thrower, especially from his knees. Uh, you you can tell this guy's uh, throwing like that quite a bit. Uh, we got him one eights and one nines <clears throat> consistently when I was in Stockton last trip. He's got big raw power. Uh, that's, uh, you know, visible the, the first time you see him dig VP. Seems like he's into the game. He's got a little baseball IQ, um, but tends to want to hit out over his front side a little bit. He needs to learn how to stay back. Uh, you know reorganize remove his stride moves so that he sees breaking balls a little better but you know the upside they talked about this guy in the draft is is really visible what you uh, you know see now I'm anxious to get to instructs and and see him play some more
0: so I know you've uh, been mentioning instructs Uh, when do instructs start this year Uh, when do they wrap up tell me a little bit about uh, that whole uh, that whole process
1: well, we're bringing him in basically the day after the A-ball season is over, September 12th, and we're going to go through until uh, October 4th. So, you know, it's another cast of uh, 40-some players. I don't know the exact number, but, um, um, you know, typical instructors, a lot of teams are not participating in instructs as they did five, six, seven years ago. So, you know, there's probably going to be three or four teams on the east side that uh, we get to play. We'll probably play four games a week. You know, Wednesday could be a camp day. Saturdays will be a quickie. Sundays will be off. Give them a little downtime, something like that. And, and what but, about, a lot, but a lot of one-on-one, more time one-on-one instruction, you know.
0: Right. I mean, it's mainly about bringing guys in that you really want to – have that one-on-one time to work on and really develop something uh, something with, right? Yeah, correct. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us about these guys. I mean, you know, with the A's in the midst of a rebuild, I think it's more important than ever to keep an eye on who may be forming the core of uh, the big league club going forward and I think a lot of the guys that we uh, talked about today are, are likely to be in that crew. So thanks for giving us uh, your insights on them today, Grady. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. And thanks to all of you out there for listening to this edition of our A's Farm podcast. Be sure to check back in for the next episode. And don't forget that you can always find updates on the A's top prospects and all the daily action in the A's minor league system on our A's Farm website at AthleticsFarm.com. That's AthleticsFarm.com. Thanks again. I'm A's Farm Editor-in-Chief Bill Moriarty, and we'll see you again down on the farm.
1: This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.